What's going on, everybody? I am Brett Popish, and this is Defiant, the show for those who want to be more, achieve more, and ultimately be defiant. I'm joined today by a good dude, Nate Lofton. Uh, how can I introduce you? Uh, father, <laughs> yep. husband, yep. Uh, renaissance man. Hey, that sounds good. <laughs> Real estate broker, former uh, Harlem Globetrotter for 17 years. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for coming in, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You bet. You and I had a conversation, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks ago. You know, I just uh, enjoyed learn getting to learn about you. You know, you're growing up, your story, kind of mm -hmm. getting into basketball and things like that. And so I figured, what the hell? I think it would add some value to the podcast and hopefully get some more exposure for you and your business. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. It was Last talking to you, um, I had a good time that that morning over a cup of coffee, and we're here now. So yeah, let's abso do it. absolutely. So uh, for for all the listeners out there, uh, why don't we start off? Just kind of talk a little bit about your background, uh -huh. your story, kind of how you came up, and we'll just let the conversation go from there. Um, for me, I'm I'm from New Orleans. So that's why they call me Big Easy. Um, grew up in uh, Melfamine Projects. Um, and early, early, early on, I was a little bit taller than most people. Um, now, real quick, how tall are you? I'm 6'9". Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, we're, we're obviously audio, but for the people that don't know, I'm 5'9 and a half, 5'10". So, <laughs> it's a little bit of a disparity. Just a little bit. <laughs> and yeah, so just, you know, growing up in the projects, growing up in New Orleans in, in the 90s, you know, we was the murder capital. And unfortunately, they are again. Um, I just had to navigate navigate everything, navigate the streets, understanding um, just life, you know, trying to survive and, you know, trying to um, just walk to school and come home. That was the most, you know, just the hardest thing every day. Um, and realizing early that basketball could save my life. Mm -hmm. um, and and once I came to that conclusion, I, I, I was like, okay, like I, I need to work. I need to figure out my lane and try to take care of my family and, and, that's what I, that was my goal from the start, you know, with, with the game was, you know, I enjoyed it, but for me, it was a way out. Cool. So when you were growing up, did you have a, a, some sort of figure in your life that kind of guided you in the direction of basketball? Cause I, I would assume, yeah. you know, and I've never been in, in right. that world, right? Um, but I would assume it's probably pretty difficult to get out of some of that lifestyle if you don't have somebody kind of looking out for you and kind of guiding you the right way. Yeah, it was it was multiple people. So when I was younger, um, you know, my, my dad, he was a longshoreman. He, he worked on the river. You know, he had been to prison when he was young. He had, he had to drop out of school when he was 11 years old to take care of his family. So he didn't even get um, a, a middle school education. So he was a working man for, for early. You know, he, you know, he got into what he got into to try to provide. He went to jail, got out and, um, you know, he was working and, and, you know, he'd be working 18 hours, you know, he'll leave at four, you know, he'd get home at midnight, you know? So um, it was, it was, it wasn't my dad who pushed me per se to go play basketball, but he always told me like he's working, so I I didn't have to do what he was doing. So I would think he would I would say he was that figure from that point. To, uh, as far as like he just wanted me and my brother to to do better than he's done. And I think as a parent now, having five kids, I I feel the same way. My goal is for my kids to be better than me, and I just think only thing I'm trying to do now is set that bar higher for them to jump. Um, but yeah, I, I, when I was younger, um, I had a coach called Coach Wayne. He he coached at St. John's Community Center. Um, it was the church. Um, you know, he he was he was the early influence. Um, my high school coach, who's who uh, who's like my father, you know, um, 
he he influenced me a lot. And Coach Glenn Cyprian, uh, he's at Georgia Southern now. And Coach Billy Kennedy, um, he he's at Wichita State now as assistant. Um, those guys right there was and and like in my my hood coach in a project, um, Sugar Bear, the <laughs> <laughs> okay. White Anderson. We call him Sugar Bear. I just talked to him the other day. He sent me a video of my of my picture, my jersey on the wall in his house, and that's and, awesome. And, and that made me so so happy and so proud, you know. Um, but yeah, like those guys, you know, they they were. Influence and, and and they kept me going along the path to try to be successful with the game. They tried to keep me focused on the game and uh, and, and not get into um, the stuff that was around me growing up. So it sounds like your dad had a, a tremendous work ethic. Yes, when you were growing up. Yes. I mean, you don't work eighteen hour days if you don't if you don't have that work ethic and that drive to just get out and make a better life. You know what? He had a. a, a you know, that's one thing I can say about him. No matter, you know, you know, my dad got into drugs, alcohol, and everything, but he worked. He worked every day. No matter how, how, how all that stuff influenced him, good or bad, he bust his butt. He never, he never didn't go to work. You know, up until you know he got sick with cancer and, and, and he couldn't. Um, but that's one thing he did. Like that's one thing I know. We just talking about it just now when I walked in here. I, if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm not doing anything. So I need to be doing something, whether it's writing a thank you card or, or, or putting stamps on envelopes um, for my real estate business. I always feel like I need to be doing something. I think that's from seeing my dad always working. Yep. Now. Is it safe to say that you were kind of naturally talented towards basketball? Um, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us into something okay, different when okay. I say that because yeah. I think when 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 you tell somebody that is successful in whatever path that they're on, uh-huh. and to call that only talent is kind of an insult. Uh-huh. But I think it starts with talent, and then you develop a skill set as you go forward right. to uh, perfect that talent. Right. Right. So there, but but I think it starts with a talent. I think I think I I I don't think it was a physical talent though. I think I had the height, right? And but there's I was a gonna lot say of, you're six foot there's nine. A lot of so. six, there's a lot of six nine dudes walking around skateboarding too, though. You know, yeah, that's and, true. And, and and playing different sports or doing nothing. You know, just doctors or lawyers. Um, so just because you you know, because I didn't I didn't punish a lot of six nine guys on the court. <laughs> trust me, gave them thirty and thirty. But um, it was a mental talent I had. Um. I think more than my physical talent. I, I think it was more mental. I think um, seeing, you know, my first murder when I was seven, like the basketball court being shot up when I was on the playing basketball, um, that that made me mentally made me mentally talented to where it's like, okay, no matter what happens, what I go through, what, if I fail to succeed on the court. Um, I'm not in jail. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not on a t-shirt. I'm not dead. So mentally, I was talented into in aspect where I, I was not afraid on the court. Like a lot of young kids coming up, you know, they're afraid to do this, afraid to, you know, get this and, and go harder and work harder because um, they don't understand what's on the other side. There was no other side for me. Either, either I do this or I'm dead. Sure. That was my mentality. So there was no plan B. There uh, was no option. Oh, it was plan A. It was it was plan A A through Z was I need to figure out a way for basketball to to make my life better, whether that was getting a free education, whether that was going to the NBA, whether that was going overseas to play, um, whether it was just going somewhere, going to college and 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 figuring out another place to live besides where I was living. So for me, I would say it was a mental talent. But yeah, I was physically talented too. Um, you know, early on, you know, I was 
I was eight years old playing against 14, 15 year olds. You know, when I was 12, I was playing against 20 year olds in the projects. And, you know, I'm playing against grown men, you know, like, like I'm, I'm getting, I'm 12, 13 year old, getting elbowed by, you know, 23 year old men, 30 year old men. And it's like, I don't have a, I don't, I'm not backing down. You know, I remember one time I got elbowed. I was bleeding. I walked in the house. The basketball hoop, one of the hoops, one of the coaches right in front of our door to the right. And my uh, my dad was like, what happened? I was like, man, got elbowed in the mouth. My, my, I'm bleeding. And um, he was like, well, did y'all win? It's like, nah, the game's still going on. He was like, well, why are you in here? <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> I love so, that. So, so, I love for me, that. It was, so for me, it was like, okay, like, all right. You know, I was 12. It was like, all right, like, it don't matter. It's no excuse. You get punched in your mouth. You either punch him back or, mm-hmm. or, or you do something to, 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 to win the game. So, um, yeah, so it was mental tough. I was, t- I was talented. Uh, I was better than most at, a, at an early age, but I was raw. I didn't have the chances every, most had at that age. I never played AAU. I couldn't play AAU because I had to work a summer job to pay for my uniforms for school the next year. Okay. I had to work a summer job to, to pay for my first day. Of, I wanted new shoes for the first day of school when I was in high school. I had to work. So I didn't get to do AAU. I didn't have any money to get a trainer. So there was the no thing. like rec league, competitive league. I stuff. played project league. I played project league. So that was so I lived in the Melfamine projects, and yeah. that was because that was that was late at night. That was seven eight at night. So I've been to work my summer job. We'll get together on the ramp, sugar burn them. They get the van, and we'll go on the St. Bernard project or the Desire project or the Florida project, uh, and we'll play basketball. That was a, not a regular league, though. That was a league when we got on the bus, when we got on the van, we look around, and they'll be like, well, if we fight, if you don't help, you got to fight us when we come back to the project. Right. So I'm not going. <laughs> this is not a, a normal, like, rec league. We going hoop, and then we going to drink some water and chill. It's like, okay, I need to pay attention because at any moment, any moment I need to put my back to the wall and defend myself, which happened, you know, if we played four times a month, you know, two times we we had we we fought, you know, sure. and but that was okay. I, that was me learning basketball. That was me learning life, and that helped me, right? The <laughs> go ahead. Well, plus you're, you're garnering respect, mm-hmm. and I I don't know. I'm speculating, but I would have to assume that you garnered a ton, a shit ton of respect from the older guys you were playing with. Because they saw your tenacity, your your fortitude, your your grit, mm-hmm. and said, "Oh shit, we gotta, we probably have to look out for this kid." Yes, I, I did. It, it was, it was. It, we had a man, and I say, man, there was twenty more, twenty athletes in my project that was better than me. Basketball, football, they just didn't get the opportunity. They, they didn't, they didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Also, um, but I was around some real live athletes that. Who can really play? Who can throw that ball? You know, playing football. Who? But one of my best friends, baseball. He was a, a monster. You know, um, they just didn't get the breaks and the chances and the opportunities. But I was protected. We was shielded. The ones who did play sports, um, and it just it made me like prepare. It prepared me for life, right? It prepared me for college too, because when I was in college. You know, every you know everybody tried to be tough. Everybody wanted to be gangsters and everything. And that wasn't me, right? I didn't I didn't sling no guns. I didn't sell no drugs. I was around it though. Sure. There, it, to the left, to the right, up, it, it, that was it. I was you, sitting there. You grew up. In oh, that. I, I grew up in it for sure. But I sure. didn't do none of that. I would never claim to do none of that. You know. But in college, you know, we got 
we in college, right? We in dorms. We go into class every day. You know, they got people in fraternities and sororities. Um, you know, you're getting up, you're going to class. You're not a gangster in college. So in college, these basketball players used to try to be tough. You used to try to be gangsters. I'd be like, yo, relax. First of all, I've seen, I know gangsters. I, I watch, I was younger. I was nine years old. I was watching two of my friends play. They was a little older than me. I'm not going to say their names. They playing ball, right? They get to like six or seven, seven, seven. And one of them say, oh, man, I didn't even realize. He had two 45s on, on, in his back. Oh, shit. <laughs> they score seven, seven. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's like so just he's used to it. So that so it's just so accustomed just, to it. You're just used to carrying. And, and so for me, ain't nobody got no guns on the court when I'm trying to shoot this jump hook. Right. So like so don't try to be, you can't be tough. You can't woof me. You can't talk me out of my game. So for me, like that experience made me fearless on the court and in life. You know, yeah. like I wasn't afraid of anything because I've seen everything. Right. So so I think I, I, I love my upbringing from that standpoint. You know, what's great about your story that I'm catching so far is some people would, would take that same situation mm -hmm. and kind of spiral down and, right. and just fit into that environment. Right. Uh, whereas some people like yourself takes mm -hmm. that and says, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to treat this as if it was a detriment. Right. I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to take the lessons from this yeah. and propel me forward, which is completely just fucking fantastic yeah. from my standpoint. That's why I'd love talking to you. Right, right. Because it's like, you're, you're taking that and it's, you know, we, we we live in kind of a society now where people want to be victims for whatever mm -hmm. reason. There's like this race to victimhood almost. Right, right. And people that should never even consider themselves to be a victim or, right. or a victim for some reason. Right, right. Right? And yet, somebody like you that grew up in that environment uh -huh. is like, no, that, that, that was a positive. And, yeah. and, and you're looking at that as a positive thing to propel you to where you're at today, which you is just to. which is just fantastic. As I say, if you see a lot of my, when I'm teaching kids, one thing I say when I'm doing my public speaking and my motivation speaking, I always say, don't make an excuse, make a change. That's, a, that, that's I can be, an, it can be an excuse. Like, yeah, man, I grew up like this. My dad went to jail. Nah, nah, so that's why I sold drugs. That's why I'm robbing people. That's why I'm selling, you know, perp and, and all these different drugs. Or it could be like, okay, this is what's in front of me. I saw this happening. I don't want this to happen. I remember those nights when I was hungry. I remember those nights when I could get the Jordans. I remember those nights when my mom couldn't afford to buy this. I remember my high school coach having to pay for my shoes and my, my uniforms and all this in, in high school because I couldn't afford it, right? I remember being in college and in college and my 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 friend and mentor had, you know, he's sending me letters from the school he was at, supposed to be recruiting letters, but he really, he was sending me $100 a week. You know, I remember that, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, I never want my kids to be in that situation. Yep. So how 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 can we do this? Are we going to break the curse? You know, or are we just going to add to it? So my thing is like, right now, my kids get whatever they want, all five of them. Whatever they want, whatever they need, I got it. I didn't work my butt off to get it, and they're going to do it. So I'm not going to use what happened to me as an excuse, you know? I'm going to make a change. Do you find that, at, you know, as future generations grow up, mm -hmm. and I, I'm saying this because this is how I feel. Yeah. I feel like we have a responsibility. We have a requirement to be better than the generation before us. thousand percent. Because if, if we're not, like, and this is just my own personal way of thinking, mm -hmm. but if I'm less than or equal to the generation before me, I mm -hmm. did them a total fucking disservice. Agreed. Because they, my parents, my grandparents, their parents, and, and, and the generations go down. 
they paved the way for me to be where I'm at today. Yeah. And so I take that as a grave responsibility in my life to say, okay, I'm not trying to show up or show off right. above them, right. but I'm trying to pray pay tribute to what they did and the road they paved for me. And that's right. kind of what I feel like you're doing. Well, that's what I just said. Like my dad always said, right? My, my, before my dad died, he was happy, right? My, my, my brother, I was with the Globetrotters. My brother was managing all the restaurants in the airport, right? And he said, like, I've done what I'm supposed to do. He didn't do nothing in his personal life to accomplish anything, right? He went to jail. He did this on drugs and all these things. His goal was to make sure we did better than he did. So who am I to stop that? So my That's goal right. is to, me and my wife goes to make sure my kids do better than we've done. So all we have to do is we have to make the goal a, a, a bigger a bigger uh, hill to climb. So right. my dad was, was here. I'm here. Now, my wife's a doctor. You know, she's a college graduate. She's a super smart person. I played, you know, I had a professional career for 20 years, and I'm doing this real estate thing, driving in this, mm-hmm. motivational speaker, and all the other things I do. So now that's the bar. Yeah. All right. So here, you you gotta you gotta jump a professional athlete and a doctor. That's they that's their basement. Right. If they get to the first floor, boom, we done what we were supposed to do. It's not about what I accomplished. I'm not accomplishing nothing for me or my ego. Right. I'm accomplishing something to get him uh, something to look at and aspire to be better than. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. If we if we if we're not trying to pull up and make everybody better, we suck. When I was a globetrotter. I helped every player coming behind me because I wanted them to be great. I but my I think was I wanted them to pass it on next. I right. want them to feel welcome for when when it's their turn to get in that position, they can do the same thing. Because at the end of the day, who cares? It's a job. I'm trying to take care of my family. I want mm-hmm. you to be great. I'm gonna give when I was a globetrotter and anything I do, I give everything I know at that moment, right? Right. For them to be better. But I go home and I learn. 100% of what I just gave away. So they're not going to be better than me in that moment. You know, when I walk away, now, right. now they can surpass me. So when we're on earth, we're trying to give our kids and the people and the generation behind us everything they need to be better than us. But we still going to bust their ass while we're here. <laughs> right. But when we leave, we want them to, boom, go harder. And now you're just teaching them how to go hard. It's, right. nothing, it's nothing like, let's push them down, push them down. Pull them up. Pull them up. What you, what you eat don't make me shit. So why would I go against, why would I be mad or try to push you down? Like, everybody, right. let's, let's everybody go around. It's, it look, it's better when everybody around you successful. Well, it raises all boats. Yeah. If you know, here's the thing, and man, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. When when you help your teammates, when you're just talking about helping your teammates in the Globe Trotters, when mm-hmm. you have a young guy coming in and and you're trying to help him, you know, lift his level of play, mm-hmm. that forces you to lift your level of play. A thousand percent. Because if you're helping him and he surpasses you, you're you're going to be happy for him. Yeah. But you're also going to say shit. I got to do my. I yeah. got to I got to step it up now. Right. So you're both helping each other in that respect. Yeah. That's why when I see people in the business world say, I'm not going to help this person because they're my competition, uh, you're looking at it the wrong way. Nope. You you know, uh, I'm, I'm part of a, a business coaching group I mentioned yeah. off the air, and I won't, we don't, this doesn't need to be an advertisement right. for that. But the, the businesses in this coaching group are highly successful 
entrepreneurs, these right. business owners. I mean, highly successful. Yeah. And every single one of them is probably the most approachable individuals that I've ever been a part of. Right. When I, you know, if, if I got to ask a question, we're part of a, a chat forum, right. I can step in, ask a question, you know, and, and a lot of them have helped me actually rebrand this podcast. Right. I got one guy that's my editor. Right. I've got another guy I did an interview with, uh, the, the episode launched last week. He's uh -huh. a, he's a, uh, uh, in the, well, used to be in the financial world. Now he's a leadership coach. Like yeah. when you start dealing with upper level, successful people, mm -hmm. similar to you in the, with, with the Harlem Globetrotters, I find that those people are more willing to help mm -hmm. than the, the lower level people that are just looking at everybody as, well, you're going to take food off of my plate. Right. Right. And I look at it as if I help you grow and you get successful, well, again, that just kind of forces me to, to walk the talk. Yeah. Right? How am I going to tell you to go do something if I ain't doing it? And then right. when I see you do it, I'm like, well, shit. Now, now I look like a dumbass. Right. Right. So it, it, every everybody helps each other by doing that. And it's about it's about being a, a good person. I think everything should start there. Right. Everything should start at somebody being a good person. Let's judge them from that. Right. You're a good person. If you're a good person, you're gonna do good things. You're gonna have good karma. You're gonna have, you're gonna have good energy. And that stuff is a boomerang. Whatever I throw out. It's going to come back. Right. So if I'm giving positive, I'm giving good energy, I'm, I'm helping somebody aspire for their goals, for to be better at what they're doing, that's going to make me happy. You know, I just went to a Globetrotter game last month when he was here. And the kid who was the showman, what I used to be the showman, what Metalog did. What, what does that mean, showman? The showman is the uh, like the MC, the entertainer on the court. Like, that's the person with the microphone. Okay. Who's doing all the talking. Like Metalog, Glimmer, Geese, Osby, those guys. So I was that. That was my job. He became that, right? But... People don't realize our story. I was—I knew him when he was 12 years old. Oh, wow. I played his brother. Me and his brother played together. His brother passed away on tour with us during the Globetrotters. Chris Richardson went to play for UNLV, high dunker, super cool guy. And he, you know, when he passed, he used to always talk, always talk to his mom and everything. And he became a Globetrotter. And... People didn't realize, and when he came out for the Globetrotters, they tried to make him a general, and it was like, nah, he should be a Globetrotter, and whatever, whatever, right? And I watched him, and I watched him, and I watched him, and and to other, the last, last month when I went watch him play, and it was awesome to see him be doing the show. It made me so happy, and I want him to do so well, right? And I can tell he was trying to do his best because I was sitting there, and 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 I was proud because I was like, damn, he put on a good show. I watched, I looked at my kids. My kids laughed for an hour and a half watching him do the show. That's what it's about. If right. I was if I was on a different time, I would be like, oh, I want him to suck. I hope that my it's like I'm a bit an idiot if I want my kids to have fun <laughs> because I want this person who done something that I've done already right. to to not succeed. No, I want him to be better than me. You know, I want I, I want him to be better than me because. That makes me that makes me look good. It makes me feel good. It makes me proud. And you know what? And when he passed that on to the next generation and the next one and the next one, boom, I could say, man, that started with me. I could see where he or she got that from. That I gave them that. But somebody gave it to me too. So who am I to stop it? Exactly. Exactly. Um for the people that don't know, so the Harlem Globetrotters, you guys worldwide. Mm -hmm. Right. So yep. um and I, I want to kind of get into this because we touched on it when we uh, had coffee a couple weeks ago. Yeah. How many teams specifically are within the Globetrotters? So we got one team and then we split until to three. Okay. So, so and sometimes four, it depends. So you got a team that's usually 
let's say, like right now, I don't know where they're at, but they're, they're probably a team in Europe right now. There's a team probably on the East Coast. There's probably a team on the West Coast or down South somewhere. Gotcha. Um, and they all touring at the same time because, you know, we they go to every small city in between. They don't just play in Denver. They're going to go to Broomfield, Loveland, Fort Collins. They're going to do all the stops, Grand Junction, you know? Sure. So, um, you know, you need more than one team. Unless you're going to, you know, you want, it'll take you three years to get the whole country. Yeah. And we go over, you know, I've been to 90 countries doing it. Um, yeah, so it's one team and we all together at training camp usually. And, you know, we learn the, the show and, and and then we go out there and perform it. Uh, traveling overseas, what was your uh, most, your, your favorite country to go to? Woo! I man. mean, you've been to a lot. Yeah, I've been so. over 90. Um, man, I always get asked that question. I feel like I got a different answer every time. Um, I enjoy um, places like Australia. I enjoy um, Belgium. Um, I like... I like places to where they speak English also, right? New Zealand, you know. Um, I enjoyed all those places um, for that standpoint to where I can just get around. And, you know, back when I was playing, you know, we, we, I, we didn't have the iPhones and the Ubers and stuff. So, you know, we had to get a taxi. You know, mm-hmm. you had to figure out what the food was when you was in China and all that. Um, so, yeah, I, I was, man, I love, I love, love Brazil. Um, I had a great time in Spain, Italy. It'd be hard. It's hard, Brett. It's, it's hard because everything, you know, like in life, everything is good for different reasons. Sure, right? sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, if I had, if you had to, if you nail me down and say, what's your favorite country? Um, I probably would say uh, probably Brazil, Porto Alegre, only because we was there. We was on Coco Banner in, in on Rio. Um, the games got canceled. <laughs> So we was there for seven days with no games. That never happens with the globe trial. So that's like a vacation. <laughs> we get up, we walk across the street, sit at this table at this little hut, and the guy I say how many, and when he say how many, he asks him how many fish you want. He go walk out in the ocean with the net. He fish. He come back. You're eating fresh, fresh food. He dropping in the in the hot in the hot hot oil. He's frying it right in front of us. Make us a caprina, the, the Brazilian drink, uh-huh. for $6. <laughs> Did that every day for seven days, twice a day. That's so a it's pretty like, good deal right so there. So it's like, yeah, like that's my favorite country <laughs> because that was when I was at my, my most peaceful moment. You know, yeah. I, I was just relaxing. It was like, man, that was a good, it was probably like $3, not even $6, you know? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, and you know, from New Orleans, I love seafood and fish and everything. So, yeah, I think that's probably was my favorite country, but that, because of that reason, though, like right. just drink, chilling out. But if it's my favorite country to play, you know, probably like Bucharest, you know, we had had a good time over there, you know, because sometimes the Globetrotters go places every 10 years, every 12 years. So it was the first time we had been in 14 years. Gotcha. Um, and it was like 20,000 people standing. There's nowhere to sit in there and, you know, the crowd's probably going just oh, crazy, uh, right? Unbelievable, you know. Yeah. And most of those places in Europe, their soccer, soccer is their is their sport, football, yeah. and um, so they are in there acting like they're at a soccer match. Oh yeah, and so it's loud it, and oh, raucous, oh, <laughs> chants, you know. So yeah, so yeah, so I would say Brazil 
it was my favorite just because I got to hang out and relax. Plus, I think it would be cool, and obviously you're very well-traveled, mm-hmm. but I think it would be cool to see different cultures, Yeah, you know, how, how people interact with one another in different places and things like that. I, you know, part of the issue I think we have uh, with Americans is many, many of us don't get out and travel. Right. They don't, we don't see the rest of the world. And that could be said with any country, um, quite honestly. But I think that if, I feel like if people actually were able to travel more like you have uh-huh. and get a different perspective uh-huh. of the world of humanity, uh-huh. you probably think of things a little differently. I think that was the benefit uh, to not to, to segue, but that was the benefit I thought of Hurricane Katrina. Um, now, were you in New Orleans oh, yeah, during lost, that? Yeah, oh yeah, I was in there. Because your is your family still there? Yeah, yeah, my mom and my my brother, my two older daughters are still there too. Um, a couple cousins down there. Um, yeah, like my mom hadn't been, she hadn't visited anywhere. She hadn't been out the state. She in when Katrina hit, she probably was. 44, 45, then she's, you know, she's like 60, um, 62 now. And um, she hadn't been anywhere, right? She hadn't traveled anywhere. Katrina hit, she got to go to Texas, you know. Because um, did, did FEMA pay for them to oh, go? No, to- no, we, we, we evacuated to Texas. Oh, okay. My dad had a F-150 truck. 13 of us got into the truck. Oh, geez. And, um, How old were you when that happened? I was 24. I was okay. I, I was I was finished in college um, and trying to go play balls overseas or whatever in China, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and and we evacuated to Houston because we only reason we went to Houston because my brother had evacuated before us, and he said that the Red Cross was giving out gift cards. We had no money. We we had any clothes, so we went to Houston to get the gift cards. Sure. Um, and how we, far of a drive was it? Houston to New Orleans, probably about. Um, Five hours, five and a half hours, okay. you know. Um, but, what, you know, the, there's no gas. No gas, traffic, know, everywhere. traffic everywhere. Everyone's trying to get out. Everybody's trying to get out. So um, that was a, a spectacle. Um, and we got to Houston and whatever, and, and it was cool. I was happy for her to be somewhere else, but not on them circumstance. And so, um, and I think that was for them, a lot of people in New Orleans, a lot of them didn't go back. Because they understand, like, and they went to Atlanta. And some of them got dropped in Minnesota. You know, sometimes they was taking helicopters and planes and Freeman was bringing them everywhere. And they got to see, like, oh, the world is different. Mm-hmm. The, the, the country is different. There's more than this six miles I grew up in for 50 years. Sure. And they got to open them, open their eyes and understand that there's more out there than... Because in New Orleans, we all hustles. It's all hustles. We, we, we tourists. So, you know, we, 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 you know, we tap dancing on the French Quarter. We, we, you know, we, they pickpocketing, you know, they, they, you know, we, we, we working in restaurants. I worked at a restaurant, you know, we, you're working in the bars, you're working in the hotels. Um, that's it. That's, yeah, that's it's a tourist that, town. That's a tourist town. So that's, yeah. that's how we survive. Um, so people didn't realize you can go other places and, and, and learn a trade and be plumbers and, and be different things and, and make good livings and take care of your family. Um, so it was, it was, so the bad thing was the life loss, of course, oh, Katrina. Katrina was but, just devastating. But the good thing was that people got to do stuff. And for me, I evacuated Houston and the Globetrotters came to Houston to do a, a, a charity event for the victims of Hurricane Katrina, the survivors of Hurricane Katrina, I like to say. And they was doing a workout. I worked out. I got with the team. So wait, wait, wait. I want to back up. So yeah. you were you evacuated to Houston mm-hmm. and had your tryout with the Globetrotters while you were there. Yeah, a week later. 
Holy cow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. My agent called and was like, well, that's my, like, yeah. that's karma. Uh, like that's that boomerang. I was telling you, I mean, about. that's just crazy. That's that boomerang. That's, you just never know when an opportunity will arise. Right. That's not making an excuse. You know, it's making a change and trying to figure out what you're going to do, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it was one of those things where like, if, if somebody would have said Atlanta got the gift cards, we done went to Atlanta. Right. Mississippi, you know, Tennessee, we the drove. We went over there to get the gift cards. But for some reason, God put us in Houston. And that was where everybody was at. So that's where the NBA and the Globetrotters connected to do the game, charity game. Mm-hmm. And they, was the, they, did the, they did a workout that night, was turned into a tryout. And they signed me and boom, 90 countries, the amazing race, hanging out with the Pope. You know, hanging, <laughs> you know, like, you know, doing interviews with Kim Kardashian. You know, like right. so, like life, life has been good, but that's that good karma that and and that good energy that's that I'm just, trying to throw out. Man, that's just crazy. You know, it's it's amazing how you just never know what one decision, one singular decision, mm-hmm. can do for your life. Yep. You know, that's why when we talk about business, you know, a lot of this podcast is kind of geared towards business mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship and whatnot, and. You just, everybody, I, every single person I interview, you never know what that one decision or yeah. when that one decision is going to change your life for good or for bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, you just have to keep grinding. And that's how, that, that, that seems like that's how you've been. Yeah, man. man. I've been blessed. I've been lucky, man. And everything is, comes from, comes from me, is come from loyalty, right? Friendship, being honest, and working my butt off, right? And trusting Trusting my instincts, trusting what I see, right? Because your eyes can't fool you, you know? Your ears can fool you. You can hear something that's not be what it really is. But if you see something, somebody's showing you something, believe it, right. you know? <laughs> like, like, just believe it. And so, I, and I always, just from that growing up, going back to my being how I was raised and what I saw growing up, I understood loyalty, telling honest, being truthful, because I watched people not do that and die get killed, you know? So for me, I always want to be a good person, always be loyal. Just even with my my stuff in college, I had to sit out two years at the high school and my one coach, you know, you know, all the other coaches stopped talking to me. This one coach kept talking to me. Uh, when it was time for me to go back to school, I went to two junior colleges. Then I, he was a division one coach in Southeastern Louisiana. Boom, I went to that school and that my path started, right? Then he went on to do this. The assistant coaches doing this. And all these people in my life went to do these things. And I could have went to another school, but I was being loyal because he was loyal to me for two years. I was busting. I was 6'9", washing dishes and busting tables. But he was calling and sending stuffed animals to my daughters. Like, oh, wow. kids all right? Everybody good? We wouldn't even talk about me going to school or getting back in basketball. It's Coach Billy Kennedy at Wichita State now. And so I always wanted to be a loyal person. Even right now in real estate, I got into real estate because the agent who sold us our house in New Orleans sucked. <laughs> when you say, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm when, being honest. When you say sucked, like, he give, didn't give, do us, give me an example of sucked. Because um, I, I can tell you what I would think, but I, I'm so, curious. So let's say I'm your, I'm your realtor, right? And you said, Nate, this is what I'm looking for. I don't send you not one listing to look at, no, not one house to do. You sending me all the houses you sending me everything. Don't know nothing about the neighborhoods. You know, my wife... It was, was kind of like a paycheck. 
It was not. He didn't do anything, right? And so it was. It was all good. And and to go back in that same year when that happened, I was talking to my mentor. My, my he was at, he was at Georgia Southern now, and he was giving his daughter a rental property um, when she graduated. And I was like, "What you what you gonna give her?" He was like, "I'm gonna give her this rental property. She gonna make the money from it, but she gotta run it. She gotta maintain it. And um, when she and when she get older, she gonna understand how much money that this gonna be able to make for her. I'm gonna teach her at 18 how to be an entrepreneur. That's fantastic. And I was like, "Man, that's what I want to do for my kids, right?" Right. And so then I was like, "Man, well, I don't want to. I don't want nobody to take advantage of me. So I want to get my real estate license." And so I got into real estate professionally just to run my own properties. Now, you were in real estate in New Orleans, in New Orleans yeah, in Louisiana. yeah, in Louisiana. And so then, but I was still traveling with the Globetrotters, so I couldn't do much. So I would just help people with rentals and stuff. And then this one, this one lady came into this rental property I had in the night while in New Orleans. And the um, lady lived in D.C. now. She fixed it up and everything and called me one day to be the agent. And the lady walked in there with her son. And she had tears in her eyes. Um, her son was like four or five years old. And um, she was living with her parents. And she said, um, oh, they got wood floors. And she said, um, oh, look, I've never seen silver appliance. She was talking about stainless steel. And I'm like, wait a minute. I can't help people doing this. Okay, this is going to be, all right, I like this. And, you know, she needed some help to get it. And I told the, the, the landlord, like, hey, let's get her this, this property. Let her rent it out with her son. If there's any problems with it, when the lease is up, if she misses anything, I'll cover it. That's how, like, I wanted to help this lady because I could see my, I could see myself in that. I had never seen wood floors growing up. I had never seen stainless steel appliances. You know, I, I like, I had never seen, uh, uh, you know, a shower. You know, we had a tub. We had, we didn't have a shower. You know, it was a bathtub. There was no shower speaking up top. Sure. You know, so like, like for me. I understood what she was saying. I never seen a closet with a door on it. You know, it was curtains because it was so small. So for me, I was like, damn, like, all right, I can help people. And after that, that's when I just got into it and understood what I can do. And I was already helping people. I was making families happy around the world with the Globetrotters. And so, like, man, when I finish, when I get into this real estate, I can do the same thing. I can make people happy. I can help these families out. I could teach them different things, you know? So it was cool. You know, the, the important thing about real estate, and I think, you and I, obviously, we're in the business, so, mm-hmm. you know, we have our own perspective of it. But owning real estate is the best way to build generational wealth mm-hmm. and to pass on that wealth to your heirs. Yep. And I just, you know, it's going to take people like you and I to lift people up that yep. aren't aware of that. And I feel like when you when you when you own your own property, mm-hmm. real property, mm-hmm. right? It gives you a, a different sense of freedom. Oh yeah, that you don't have yeah. when you're renting a property. Yeah, right. We we all throw around the word freedom, right? Right. But think about when you own your own property, the sense of pride you have, and then as that property gains in value, you leverage it. You yeah. you leverage it into other properties. You leverage it into moving up. You, right. you leverage it and it builds generational wealth. Yeah. And that's where I feel like you and I make a, the, the biggest impact at the street level that we're at today. Yeah. Right? No, I agree, man. I think that's the most important thing, like having that freedom. I remember when we, when we moved in our house in New Orleans, I used to I go on the porch on the back porch every day, and I was just I must tell you this story. And 
I go outside. I would be inside and walk outside. And I lived, I, I, there was a reserve behind me. It was protected. So it had deer and alligators behind me. Oh, that's cool. And I grew up in the projects. Deer and alligators. I'm right. assuming the deer I'm, didn't last too long I'm, with the alligators. Right. <laughs> I'm accustomed to seeing bricks, concrete. And so I used to be a, a fascinating. And one day my wife walked in like, why are you pissing outside? <laughs> I was like, because it's my shit. Because I work my butt off. I can, if I want to go outside and take a piss in my backyard, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And she just started laughing. She was like, boy, you crazy. And it's like, that's what you're saying. Like, it's mine. It's your freedom. It's my freedom. If yes. I want to hang something on the wall, it's mine. Right? If I if I want to, if I want to, if I want to put this in my basement, I can do it. It's mine. Can't nobody tell me anything about it. And like that freedom is what we need. But you're right. It's 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 leveraged so much. I can use it to do so many things. Just like credit, you know? I, and I, I would tell my friends all the time. Now when I talk to kids, I talk about, about getting their credit up. I talk about understanding credit because teaching them how to multiply is does nothing for them. Telling them, teaching them the history of anything, you know, it helps, but it, it's not going to help you, you know, you in the real this, world. You got to get this the money. The Pythagorean right? theorem only goes so fucking, Man, so you, fucking far yeah. in the real world, right? You need to know how, you need to understand like, okay, 100000 in credit is more than 100000 in cash. That's what I need. And I need to tell you why. Can I, can, can, <laughs> I, can I put it a different way? Go ahead. Go ahead. So the financial world that we're in, the credit world, mm-hmm. it's a different, it's a game. Right. And the, and, and the game is rigged mm-hmm. by the system, by the banks. Yeah. And it's up to people like you and I to educate people as to how the game really works Mm -hmm. and to kind of give people the shortcuts to say, okay, you know, with credit, like there's some things with credit and I do a whole class on this and, you know, we've done classes for uh, the young adults and um, like next week I'm going to Legacy High School Mm -hmm. uh, to talk to them about the same thing. But you, you, you. my goal is to give the younger generation a fast track into understanding what it took me 10 to 20 years to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And really help these people know, here's how the game's really played. Yeah. You know, here's here's really the rules of the game. And there's so many rules that are counterintuitive to what we would normally think. Right. We're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Right. You're right. It doesn't make sense. And there's a reason for it. Right. Right is because yeah. the system, if you will, the the overriding system, the goal is to keep people in debt. The goal is right. to keep people renting. The goal right. is to keep the thumb on people so they don't ever realize how to get out of that right. and build the wealth and have the sense of freedom right. and things that we're talking about. Thousand percent, and I think it's important to that you're doing that. It's important that important that they understand that. Like I didn't understand that. I didn't. I didn't realize how important credit was. And to my, my wife, who who's six years younger than me, you know, and she taught me, you know, one day I was on the road and she she had this, um, she had a BMW. I called it a luxury hoopty because I paid more money fixing that damn car. <laughs> and I was like, man, you need to get another car. And I was like, when I come home, you need to get another car. So she's like, all right. So she wanted to get a Jeep, uh, Jeep Sahara, one of, the, one of the Wrangler Jeeps, right? So we get home, we driving, to the dealership. And, and I'm down in Miami at the same time LeBron and I'm in Miami. So, um, like, we went to the same, some kind of way we got to the same dealership that Brian had got his Jeep from. And the guy who's a salesman, he was a, a former overseas player. So he about six, seven. So, you know, the rapport is there. So I'm sitting down, my wife's sitting down. 
And she's, I was like, oh, I need to go get, you know, a couple thousand dollars for the down payment. Because that's all I ever knew is I need four or $5,000 to put down on this car. Because, you know, I didn't know why, but that's what we always did. <laughs> right. I didn't realize. That's what somebody cr- told you years right, ago. It's because yeah. my credit wasn't any good, though. But but my wife has been had been working on that the past three years. So my wife sat down and was like, no, like, you don't have to do that. I was like, what are you talking about? She said, Nate, our credit is good. And I was like, okay. And she was like, oh, watch this. She told him, she said, we want this Jeep. We're not putting nothing down, and we want our payment to be this right here. And the guy was like, okay. And then filled out the app, the app for the, and he ran it. He was like, all right, let's go pick which one you want. And I was like, damn. And, you know, my wife is white. So I was like, there's some white folks here. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's going on? And, uh, and she was like, no, Nate, it's, it's about that number. And, and I was like, okay, cool. And from that day on, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to take care of my credit. I'm going to make sure I'm on top of it. And, you know, I've been, you know, since, you know, I was in the 500s in 2010. I've been in the 800s, you know, since since 2014, you know? And and that's what, that's that knowledge I have to where, when Katrina happened, if I had credit, my family would have been better off. Because Katrina hit, if I had a credit card with 18, 25,000, 50,000 on it, it wouldn't matter. We didn't have to go to the Motel 6 and with 13 people in two hotel rooms. You know, we could have went to the Marriott and everybody could have got their own room because I had this credit. I might not have the cash, but I had the credit. And I, You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, so, isn't that, you know, I don't want to get negative, but isn't that frustrating that that shit's not taught? No, it's, when, we can when, get negative. When, when, we're, when we're young. Yes, we You know what I mean? That. Like, when I remember, so uh, I graduated high school in 98. Yeah, 99 myself. Perfect. So you and I are the same age. Yeah. I think I had one semester of a, a uh, like a business class is mm-hmm. what they called it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was probably, it, looking back now, I, I know why I enjoyed the class. And mm-hmm. I thought I just had a cool teacher. You know, he was a teacher that would cuss and right. he was a normal dude. Right. But this one semester class talked about balance, back then, balance a checkbook. Right. Because they don't know what the fuck that means. Right. No, no, <laughs> Most no, people listen to this go balance a check. I still checkbook. I still balance my checkbook. Yeah, it's yeah. just an old habit. <laughs> my wife does. It. My wife, my <laughs> wife does it. She, she's 35. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, balance a checkbook, the true cost of financing. Like, uh-huh. you know, senior year in high school, I was getting a loan to buy a car. And I talked to this teacher and I'm like, here's the deal. And he's like, Well, you gotta ask yourself, is is the is the total amount of money you're gonna pay for the car with interest worth it? Right. Mm-hmm. But very few often or, or very few times is the, the, the schools now have that. I don't mm-hmm. even think they do at all. Right. I went into North Glen High School quite a few years ago, part of the Colorado Mortgage Lenders, Lenders Association program I was doing. Uh-huh. And we had to do a, an outreach program at a high school. So yeah. uh, we got assigned to North Glen. And I went in there and we put on a credit class. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking in there thinking, and this is where I get hope for mm-hmm. the younger generation. I walk in there thinking there's no way these kids are going to give two shits about what I'm going to talk about. Right. I'm sitting here trying to psych myself up going, yeah. how am I going to keep their attention? Right. That class went over. The bell rang. Not one kid stood up. Right. And I'm in the middle of my thing going, shit, I got to hurry up. Because right, right, not, right, right. not one kid stood up. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to hustle through it. Right. And they start blasting questions, blasting questions. Right. And then we get to a point where they leave and you know, kids are funny because they're divulging shit about their parents' finances. Right, and I'm right, like, nah. yeah, probably don't say that. Right, right. No, that's it. <laughs> um, but then the, they, they leave um, and the teacher keeps me after class talking yeah. to me and I'm thinking, 
I, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I'm thinking, as a teacher, why aren't you going to the administrators going, right. we need to expand upon this. Right. We need to to bring this more into every class. This was mm-hmm. an AP class. Mm-hmm. Why not bring it into every class? Yeah. Because the younger generation has a has a need or a thirst for this information mm-hmm. that they're not getting anywhere. Right. And the right. sad thing is the a good major good, good percentage of the population doesn't understand it themselves. Their right. parents, not all of them, but some of their parents don't even understand it because they were never taught it. No, you don't. My my I, I remember my dad when he got hurt, he came to some money. And I was like, man, you're going to get a car. And he was talking. And he was like, man, I'll never, I'll never get uh, a note, a car note. I'm never going to owe somebody anything. And and I thought that was the weirdest, craziest thing ever. It's like, no, you're not owing anybody anything. Like, why go spend twenty five thousand dollars cash on something that's going to depreciate when you can just spend, you know, two thousand dollars on it? You have the, at the same time, and then you decide in two years, oh, I don't want. I want to trade it in for something else newer. You know, you buy, you spend. It was like, and and why not? Do this because it's going to build your credit up, you know. And now instead of you know, I don't know, man. For me, it was just weird. So it's like all I thought you had to put down that money to get something. And it's like no, like you don't. And the game, we have to play the game because that's what the bank set it up to. The game is credit, right? right? Master the game, you know. Don't don't. I'm not gonna. We be can't fight here. it. No, it's like <laughs> it's like my wife. My wife. She knew. She knew early. She knew early what to do, right? And I didn't find out till I was 33 what to do. You know, and it was like, hmm, now, now and when I was with the Globe Trials, my thing was, I'm going to help all these guys. I didn't get my first house till I was this year, this age. I want to make sure these guys behind me get their first house 10 years before that. That's awesome. I want to make sure they understand what credit is. I didn't help a bunch of people on the team get their credit right and, and buy houses and stuff and be first-time owners in their, in mm-hmm. their family ever. And I think, man, that's the, that's the deal. That's the gig, helping people because— for in our profession, also, it makes sense for us. Cause if I can get more kids coming out of high school with good credit, that's more people gonna qualify to buy these houses and gonna that's need right. me to go help them set, help them buy. Right? That's right. So it's like for it's a win-win for us either, either way. You're gonna do that. We're just putting more buyers and more people getting loans mm-hmm. in the thing. So it's like, why wouldn't the banks and everybody want to do that? It's more people coming to borrow money from them. Well, I think I I I don't want to go down this path on this one. <laughs> you and I can maybe talk offline. I think there's a different agenda at play personally to to bury kids in student loan debt right. to, gotcha. to prevent them from being able to do what we're talking gotcha. about. Gotcha. That's why, you know, I, I want to get into the high schools and get with kids with, at a younger age so they can really understand the cost of credit mm-hmm. to try to avoid all those crushing student loans and yeah. all that shit to then propel them. You know, they get a jump start, mm-hmm. right? Coming right out of college, coming yeah. right out of high school, whatever that might be. I want to transition a little bit because you talked, when we met, you talked a ton about some of the charitable work that you do uh-huh. and kind of give back in the community and, sing, and and shit like that. And I think that's extremely important. Uh-huh. So let's talk about that because I know you do your basketball camps yeah. now. Yeah, I do. Um, man, I do a lot of camps, man. Back in New Orleans, I used to always, we did um, give away bikes and book bags every year, me and my barber, you know, down in New Orleans. And I was always donating and being a part of it. Um, now I just, I do a lot of camps and I I, I go in, I was in Erie, you know, talking with the uh, the the special need basketball turn they have in high school. I just went and spoke to those kids. Um, I'm always doing something. I got a, today I got a meeting with Lafayette. When we leave here, I got to go to Lafayette Rec Center and set up something with them to do something. I'm volunteering 
for the program with the kids in September. Um, I had a camp in Broomfield Rec. Shoot, Paul Durder. It's called Paul Durder. Paul Durder actually came. I didn't know that was a person. I didn't know Paul Durder was a real person. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, I didn't know uh, you existed. Up to me like, I'm like, oh, I thought, this, you know, usually, you know, when something made up somebody, you know, it's like 100 years old. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. long since passed. Right, right. And so I got a camp coming up in Erie. I got a camp coming up in Frederick. Um, I do a lot of, if somebody call and say, Nate, will you come talk to my kids? I, I, that's, you know, of course. Um, it's weird for me to charge um, schools to talk to kids. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't like that. You know, if it's something different, I would. But um, yeah, I'm just in the community, man. I love, I love, I love helping. I love looking back and looking at those kids and remembering what I was at at that age. And nobody would come to talk to us or, or take their time. To, Seriously? Yeah, I'm, I'm in New Orleans, man. New Orleans public school, man. Ain't nobody, nobody, nobody's talking to us. Nobody was that's, coming that, in there. That, that's just a fucking shame, man. Man, I was, you know, I was, you know, it was our school was getting like. You know, it was violence. You know, it was shooting that, you know, like legitimate like stuff happened, you know? So yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I just wanna I always wanna be a part of the community. I always wanna help. My 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 goal is to wherever I live at, I'm in there. You know, like I want people to know who I am and understand that and they can, I can help them and um and you know, understand that all athletes and former athletes, not just people who take it, you know, like you take it from the yeah. community. Like I do my camps and, you know, for some of the camps, the gyms do charge, but the price I charge for my camps is significantly less than you go pay for camps with somebody with my basketball resume, you know? Um, yeah. So I think giving back is important. You know, I, I think, you know, if you, if, if you don't reach back and, and, and pull up and give back and, and pass that knowledge on. You just wasted your life. Don't you find too though that the more you give back, the more you gain yeah. in other areas. Boomerang. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> it's it's like the universe just kind of hands yeah. stuff to you. Yeah. I don't. I, I said that the wrong way because I don't think anybody, any one of us, has handed something. But when you give without yeah. the expectation of something in return, it comes back to you probably ten to twenty fold. It does. You know I, what I mean? That's the that's the the thing. You know that that's what it's about. You know, like it's about. Being a good person. I remember I said that's the baseline. Yeah. So for me, it's like if somebody said, Nate, can you come and talk to these kids? Can you come talk to this basketball team? Can you come talk to this gym, whatever? Yes, of course. And, you know, and and it's and usually nine times out of ten, when I'm walking out of there and somebody been in listen to my story and be like, Oh, you a real estate agent now? I'm looking to sell my house. I need to buy a house. And it's like, I wasn't going there for that. I don't even have you any cards on you, me. You weren't soliciting no, your real estate business. I wasn't soliciting business. my real estate business. I just was telling my story, and that's right. a part of my story. Somebody hear that, it's like, boom, now you went. Yeah, I went and spoke to this school for free, which I could charge 3000 for, you know? But I did it for free. It's like, oh, now you're about to get a commission for 18000 Right. You know? So, like, you're right. It comes back 24, but you can't expect it. You got to do everything because you, you it's the right thing to do. And you have, and when you got good, Energy and, and like good karma and and then you 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 boomerang that out, that's what's gonna come back. You right. know, you know, it, it, it never come back wrong to you if you put it out there right. When people are, do stuff for reasons that are not so kosher, yeah, it is. You can it, it, when people do that shit though. When, it's when, not authentic. When 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 you get, I use the word genuine, mm -hmm. right? I'm a big fan of of being a genuine person. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is. 
Uh, you 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 get what I'm talking about. Yeah, but when you know, you know. When you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. When when people are fake, you can fucking tell they're fake. Thousand percent. You know, and that's why like, I I just appreciate you, man. No, nah, like, it's love, man. I got a question. Yeah. What uh, when you when you go into these schools, mm -hmm. do you have a kind of a singular message that you're trying to get across to the to the kid you're talking to? Um, as far as like, you know, discipline or authenticity, or I, I guess, what is your message or does it change? Do you even prepare when you go to talk to these kids? It just kind of free flow. I, I, it's, it's a little bit of everything, right? And it's, a um, it depends, right? It changes. It does change it because it depends on what, what the, the kid need, right? So as always, don't make a change, make an excuse. I always tell my story. Right, I always tell what I've been through, and my story is is deep. Right, I get into a lot of stuff that I've been through, um, that what that takes time to do, right? and I try to break it down quick. So if I'm going to one of these affluent schools up here, right, um, the message is different. Sure, they they don't have the same experiences. They, experiences, they're not starting here and there. I talk to them about what I think they need. Right, so most of the time it's like working hard. Doing this because you want to do it, not because your parents want you to do it. Um, realizing that you need to be a good person. I always talk about anti-bullying and, and just talk about the, the fundamentals of being a good person when I go into affluent schools because that's what they need, right? That's mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the, the you know, their problems are not financial. Uh, uh, it's, it's usually... Um, it's more need, social. It's more social. They need to be uplifted. They, 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 they're in weird places and they don't understand. And so I talked to them about traveling and and letting them know when I went to this country that the people with the suits on are usually not the people that help you. It's usually the people who don't look like you, who don't have nothing. So just to let them know, like, hey, I know you live in this 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 here. This is not the normal for everybody. And just because somebody looked different from you uh, on a different financial level than you doesn't mean you treat them a different way. Everybody has a value. And I I tell them this story. This is a story I tell them real quick. So I was a globetrotter. Usually, you know, globetrotters in general, they don't, you don't supposed to get along off the court or whatever. I always did. I always treated everybody the same. So when I got into real estate, um, the, I wanted to be a REMAX agent. I went to a wedding here in Denver. It was one of the guys who used to be a, a general, right? His his wife is a Denver Bronco cheerleader. And his dad was the president of Remax for 33 years. Oh, wow. So that was like, that was me telling the kids, like, treat everybody the, the right way. You never know which who's going to be what and who can stop what. You never know he who can open a door for he you. He could have closed that door for me also if I'd have been the a-hole, right? Yeah. And so I tell him that. And so when I go to, to, the, to the, the neighborhoods that's not to influence where I talk to the teacher and teen pregnancy and, and violence and drugs and everything, that's how I grew up. You know, I had my first daughter when I was 18, you know? Mm -hmm. So I get it. And so now I could tell them my story about, yeah, like drugs. Yeah, I understand. Murders, I understand. Don't make that an excuse, though. Right. That's not an excuse to go and do all the, all these things. You want to make a change, okay? Figure out who, who's around you. Figure out what you what you can do in life. Figure out what you want to be in life. You know, that's my thing. Like that. So, and that's trying to break it down quick. But, yes, I talk to them about... The same thing, but different. I, I come at it different. I can't come at these cool these kids at Erie High 
about growing up in the projects. <laughs> they won't get it. Well, because I pull up in my Escalade and they pull up in their newer Escalade. You know? <laughs> so so yeah, yeah. It's not, it doesn't, but I, but there's still, there's a lot of life lessons I've done that does work with them. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste their time talking about this because they're never going to do with this. But I, as my wife being a child psychologist, I understand that it is a big problem with these kids up here smoking weed and doing drugs and drinking at yeah. 13 and 14 years old. So I could talk to them about that because I've seen that too, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, yeah, I think it's like my it's like my coach used to say, I'm going to treat all y'all the same but different. Yeah. You know? Have you ever uh, read the book or listened to uh, Damon West and his message about the coffee bean? No. I, I, I'm going to send it to you. Okay, send it to me. Because you are a coffee bean. I hope and that's a good thing. <laughs> it's, that is a very good thing. Good, good, and, good. And uh, it, it'll make sense when you listen to, I'll, I'll, I'll just send you the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm a podcast. Um, send the podcast. Uh, quick, and I'm not going to ruin his story, but yeah. this is a guy that went to prison mm-hmm. for, uh, got into drugs, burglaries, yeah. things like that. And he had a mentor in prison, actually, mm-hmm. that basically told him, you need to change the environment around you, yep. not be a victim of the environment. Yep. And so I'm not going to spoil it for anybody listening that yeah. wants to know what the coffee right, bean is. Right, right. Look up Damon West coffee bean, and he'll, I promise you, you'll thank yourself for looking that up. Gotcha. But I'm going to send you that podcast. And send it to me because it is that you you have you have a, a a unique ability to change the environment around you from what I'm gathering, uh-huh. and that's just it's incredible. You have to, man. I, yeah. I think you have to. If not, you're going to drown. You That's know? right. It, 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 you got to put that life jacket on and figure out how to pull yourself up and move to the next thing. You never want to sit and be upset. I always, I looked around and it was like, you know, in my environment, like everybody was always blaming somebody and, and sad about what's happened to them instead of trying to figure out how to not let it happen to the next generation, how to get out of that situation. Like, let's not settle for what we in. I'm not just going to sit here and be like, Oh man, I don't have my education. I didn't. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. It's like no. Let let me figure out. Let me go drive a. Let me go see if I can be a garbage man. Let me go see if I can get my CDL license. Mm-hmm. You know. Let me go see if if I can go and buy a pack of waters out of Sam's. I'm sorry for being the desk. Out of yeah. Sam McCosco and for three dollars and but it's twenty four pack. I can go sell them for a dollar a piece at the red light. You know. And now I didn't turn three dollars to twenty four dollars. Let me keep flipping that right. until I find out what the next thing I can go flip. But it's like going to co- be houses. Man, it's houses. Yeah, you start from that. You, you sell right. it, go to sell the sneakers. You go to flipping. You know, it, it, you know. Let me go buy this. It's a lot of stuff that that that's my mentality, though. You know, and that's mm-hmm. from watching my dad, who was in that situation, work, but he wasn't working to get himself out. He was working to make sure we never got in it. Yeah, well, and that's the important thing I think uh, of this message. From what you're telling me about your dad, he was working his ass off to make sure that you and your brother, mm-hmm. one brother, one brother, yep, you and your brother didn't have the same yep. life experience. Yep. So really, what he was doing it was lifting you up, so that gave you the opportunity to continue to lift up, like we talked about at the beginning. Yeah, I, 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 like that's that's what it's about, you know. Me, me and my brother, we when we I bought my house and he bought his house the next year. We we was probably probably like six blocks away from each other in the, in that area of New Orleans that, you know, people that look like us usually don't live in. And I was sitting on the porch. I was sitting on my back. I was sitting on my back, and my brother came around the side, and he sat down, and we both we both looked at each other because he had just got his house. He sat down, and we were sitting back, and we were smoking a cigar. We was drinking some cognac, and we was watching um, the little possum or whatever run. 
And we just both had tears in our eyes because we know our dad was looking at us like, man, like, look at you boys. Like, yeah. you know, we used to, we went from sitting on the sofa and hearing gunshots dropping to the floor and finished watching TV from the floor because we didn't, in the case the bullets True. come through the windows, to sitting backyard, smoking a good cigar, drinking some cognac, watching a possum walk by, watching a deer come feed, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, man, like, life is all right, you know? And that's because we decided to make a change. And my daddy wanted us to make a change and not make an excuse yeah. to where now I don't, my daughters and sons don't have to, when they hear gunshots, get on the floor. You Hopefully know? they don't have to hear yeah. gunshots. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, you know, that's why we, we work to try to hopefully, well, you know, I live in Broomfield area. They might, somebody could be hunting, but you know, <laughs> ain't, nobody, ain't, ain't nobody shooting at anybody where going to come through the windows, hopefully. Though, hopefully, you know? yeah. So that, that that's, the, that's the goals. And I think like, you know, life is simple, man. Like, I, I was telling somebody the other day, like, it was like, Nate, what, what you know, what you working for? I'm like, man, I work to make sure my kids are happy, my wife's happy, and to go on vacation. <laughs> That's it. I'm not, I, I don't have no other, I'm not trying to get anything. I didn't, I didn't see everything. I, 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 I'm not trying to get any jewelry. I'm not trying to do none of that. So I don't care about what car I drive. None of that matters to me, right? I want to work to make sure we're comfortable, have fun, help people, and go on vacation. That's it. I don't have no other, I don't care about anything else but. And raise good human beings. And, 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 and of course, right? You know that, yep. of course, like, and, but make sure that they're better than me. Right. And so I have to show them this lifestyle. This is what it is. It's about family. Every night before, after dinner, we have a dance party, you know? Put it on YouTube, Kids Bop. And we have a dance party. That's Kids cool. smiling, having fun. Me and my wife coming down, eat dinner. We watch Housewives or something. The love is blind. <laughs> right. And, you know, and then she go to sleep. I work a little bit. And we wake up and we do it again. That's awesome. That's, and, that's, and that's what it's about. That's what, that's what, a, that's what a freedom is, right? Yeah. And, and, and I can make my own schedule right now, doing, doing the job I'm doing. And, but I'm helping people. You know, I'm helping myself. And I'm happy, man. And when I stop being happy, I'm like... Like, what am I doing it for? Like, what, what, why are we working, hitting our head on something, not enjoying what we're doing? Like, right. I want to love what I'm doing. I want to love every day. I want to walk out today and somebody walk by me in the street, I'm going to smile at them. Not awesome. put my head down and look away. Right. right? I'm going to smile at them and try to give them that energy and try to let them know, like, man, like, you know, it's cool. that My smile can change somebody's day. Somebody can be walking to, the, walking to, to go do something that they shouldn't be doing. And have a quick conversation with me or anybody, not just me. I'm not special. Anybody can do that to have that effect on somebody, you know. So I, I, I just think, man, life ain't life is hard, but it's it's easy when you understand what you need and want out of it. Make sense? Oh, totally, man. Well, hey, uh, we're running up on an hour. I try yeah. to keep this to an hour just because oh, it's. Uh, I, I, you and I could talk for probably yeah. two, three hours. <laughs> I'm not Joe Rogan, though. <laughs> Uh, but with that, man, um, where can our listeners, listeners find you? Where can they connect with you at? Man, I'm on, you, I'm, you can Google me. I'm Nate Big Easy Lofton, um, a realtor on, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I'm always doing something. I'm always into something. Um, tonight I'm going to the carnival at my kid's school, you know? So I, I just, you can find me having fun, man. I'm usually at, at, at a park 
you know, throwing a football or, or trying to teach a basketball, man. So, um, yeah, just hit me up, man. Nate Lofton Real Estate. You can just Google that. that that'll find me also. Okay. Um, and I would, you know, love to help somebody attain their dream of being a homeowner or, or help somebody attain their dream of, of selling that house that they bought four years for 2, 2.3% <laughs> and they got $300,000 equity in it. So I love, I love to help you unload that sucker too. So, yeah, yeah just hit me up, man. And, and hey, just just... Be good, man. Don't make an excuse, man. Make a change. Life is life is is short, but life is good. And just understand what you want out of it and, and go get it. Man, I appreciate you. Thank you for making the Much time. Love. Thank you for making the time. All right, everybody, uh, I'm going to leave it like I do every time. Please share this episode. This episode of All the Ones, man, just share the shit out of this episode because this I, I really enjoyed this conversation. If if you did not find value in it, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. You weren't. Rewind it because you didn't listen to it. Uh, but please share the show. Please rate it on whatever uh, platform you're on, whether that be Apple, Spotify, whatever the case may be. And then uh, with that, everybody, be defiant. See ya. See ya.